to True Crime Trine, the podcast where the planets align and three friends talk about true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit we can fit in this podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah, Sarah, and Meredith. And Mercury in retrograde is hitting us very hard. Oh, man. Bad We're times. all in a bit of a slump, I would say, but we're mm-hmm. going to talk about murder, and that will make us feel better. Yay. Welcome to episode nine. Uh, so it's my turn this week to tell a story. I unfortunately did not get the uh, Dorothea Puente episode script finished, so I'll have to push that off probably till my next episode. But it's going to be fucking great, because she was fucking bonkers. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. We'll hold that off, but, you know, come back for that. It's going to be good. I'm just going to sell my own shit. <laughs> So instead of going to Sacramento, California, we're going to go back to Fresno, California. Woo, Fresno. My hometown. How hot is it there right now? (sighs) Probably about the same. But it doesn't cool down at night is the problem. Oh, yeah, that's true. No Delta Breeze. No Delta Breeze. It's a miserable, miserable, hot place. Anyway, I grew up there. Loved it. No. (laughs) Um, Sarcasm. (laughs) Yes. Uh... (laughs) And so that's my hometown, and this is another one of my English, my high school English teacher's husband's cases. I'll get there eventually. Who was a public defender in Fresno, just in case anyone's forgotten my history. Here we are. So the case is of Dana Ewell. Dana is a male in this version. Good to know. Yeah, because it's one of those unisex names. It's kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. So, Dana Ewell was born on January 28th, 1971, in Fresno, California, and he apparently grew up in the same neighborhood that I did. And Ooh. so, uh, yeah. So, Sunnyside, California is a small community within the city of Fresno, and it's mostly, it's probably more of an affluent neighborhood. Most of the houses are on at least half acres or whatnot. At least in 1992, it was also... Almost 90% Caucasian. There's apparently a country club, but I've never been invited. <laughs> and then I Google, I Googled his place and my place, and I was like, I can walk to his place in like 15 minutes. That's so weird. Oh. It's like real close. So this is a, this is a real close, oh, close right. one. And I think we just moved to that house when this took place. So I was, oh, wow. I was nearby feeling those vibes. Sounds like the neighborhood to be in. <laughs> I mean, it was a nice neighborhood, like. Except for the diversity. <laughs> yeah. as at, That was 1992. I don't know if it's gotten any better since 1992. I'm not going to imagine Fresno is much of a melting pot. It's not a melting pot, but it has a bunch of stuff that could melt together if they wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that counts. <laughs> Well, my entire family of Caucasians has moved out of Sunnyside, and that is my family, so there's an opening. Although I think their house sold immediately. Never mind. (laughs) All right. Dana's father, Dale Ewell, was born in Ohio during the Depression, 
And this may have contributed to his dedication and drive, like growing up in a time where he wanted for so many things. He wanted to make sure that he would be able to provide them for the rest of his life. He owned Western Piper Sales, Inc. Any guesses as to what kind of thing he sold from Western... Paper. Paper. Pipe? Piper Sales. Pepper. A peck of pickled peppers? Yeah, that. (laughs) Toilet paper roll. Things. (laughs) No, yeah, think bigger. Western Piper Sales is a small aircraft. Oh. (laughs) So, like, bigger. Okay. Okay. Physically bigger. Extremely uninformative name of his company, but whatevs. He was apparently, not apparently, he definitely was extremely successful. And I really loved this, but, like, one of his sales tactics was to land one of his small planes on a farmer's field, charm the farmer into purchasing it, and then teach the farmer how to fly it and get his plane sold that way. Just, like, drop in. Like, hey, He's bud. like, for you? Yep. They're like, that was my crops, man. That's the question I had. I'm like, where are you landing? You just okay. mowed down the season's my wheat! How you like them crop circles? Yeah. <laughs> it was Dale Ewell this whole time. <laughs> All right, Dale. <laughs> so, 1992, Dale was worth between seven to eight million dollars, which in 2021 would be adjusted to 12.5 to 14 million dollars. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure, he's kind of a big deal at that country club. I'm sure <laughs> Dale went to the country club. I'm sure Dale was invited. Yeah. Although he was a multimillionaire, Dale lived a relatively modest lifestyle and did not try to flaunt his wealth. Although, even if he's not, like, purposely flaunting it, you still couldn't look at his lifestyle and say it's modest. But he's not rubbing it at anyone's faces. Yeah, but, I mean, he owns airplanes. He got this bougie house, whatever. Yeah, got a nice house in a nice neighborhood. Yeah, so there's that. So perhaps because he had a childhood of deprivation, Dale became known as a strict and ruthless businessman in an attempt to never go back to those days where he had nothing. And it was later said that Dale ran his home in the same way, but he also lavishly spent money on his children in an attempt to make up for never having anything when he was a kid. I can see that for sure. Like, when you come from nothing, like, you want to be able to provide for your family in extra like like all the extra. things you wanted when you were a kid and stuff yeah because a lot of times like in the depression like even just basic needs like clothing or toiletries was something of luxury toilet paper yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so kind of two sides of the coin i think a probably a middle ground would have been more preferable here but we will see dale married glee mitchell in 1961 i love that name I know, it's so fun. And she sounds like a fucking sweetheart. Aww. She might not like me saying, she might not like me swearing, I'm not sure. They were described by people who knew them as soulmates. Aww. (laughs) So Glee was a teacher, but after her children were born, Tiffany in 1967 and Dana in 1971, she became a stay-at-home mom and a civic activist. But just to round out Glee's life a little bit, Prior to kids and marriage, she also worked for the CIA as a Spanish translator. Ooh. <laughs> right? Girl. Get it. That's I know. awesome. That's so cool. 
And later in life, she sat on the State Bar of California Committee that evaluated prospective judges that were nominated to the judgehood, I guess. So, oh. uh, one of Glee's friends described her as, quote, one of the most well-liked people I've ever met. If you saw her at an event, you'd get a card or a note a week later. Glad- great to see you next week. End quote. Oh. I know. So she's like, good at sending more than just thank you notes. Like, she's like, oh, it's just nice to see you notes. Jeez. So sweet. So sweet. That level of effort. I know. I'm terrible with any of that. Like, don't buy me presents because I don't want to send you a thank you note. <laughs> or, or don't be offended when you don't get one because I fucking forgot. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm especially not going to send you a thank Like, Sarah, you came to my house last week. Don't expect a so note. So nice to see you every <laughs> other fucking day. <laughs> so, uh, not you're not going to get one. No. That's what text messaging is now, right? So you're just like, great to see you. I don't have to put a stamp on this. And send I it know, down. right? Put it in the mail. Send it to you. I could just hand it to you, but where's the fun in that? And so, in 1992, their daughter Tiffany was a graduate student working towards an MBA in accounting and was described as shy and demure by the family's housekeeper. So, that's the Ewells. Let's meet Dana! Dun dun dun. Uh. So, Dale understood the importance of hard work, but his son, Dana, was basically your standard entitled rich boy who had a penchant for inflating his image. Yeah, I can see that, though, if everything's handed to you and you don't have any responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. So, when Dana left to attend Santa Clara State University, he drove there in his new gold Mercedes 190. Oh, but it's gold? (laughs) The color of well, Sarah. Oh, God. It's also the color of, like, 60-year-old woman car. I know. I don't know. (laughs) I guess, well, 60s, 60s and, like, the early 90s would be, like, 75 for 2021s. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was also given an allowance of $800 a month. Not too bad. Yeah, not bad. (laughs) Can't complain? Well, Dana can. He he did. Don't worry. Dana can find a way. Oh, Dana. Dana. Apparently at one point, Dana wrecked the Mercedes, and Dale bought him an exact replica, reportedly because Dale found the circumstances embarrassing, which I think means drunk driving. Okay. Uh, Yeah. That's the typical rich person Mm -hmm, way. Just mm -hmm, sweep it under the mm -hmm. rug. Nothing happened. Don't worry about it. Literally, the next part of my script is, Dale wanted to sweep it under the rug. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Dana did not have to face the consequences of his actions in this case at all. uh, He also attended classes in a suit and carrying a briefcase, which (laughs) does nothing to ease how uncomfortable I feel around business majors. What a douche. Oh, gross. Seriously. Ew. Uh, So even as a child, Dana would make things up ranging from where he was born to parental abuse. And this naturally caused tension between the father and son, especially when the son became a teenager. And then Dana continued the storytelling tendency when he went to college, where he would tell people that he became a stockbroker at the age of 18 and currently owned a company worth $2.7 million per year. Wow. I'm going to say one thing here, Dana. Why are you going to Santa Clara State? Isn't that where Carrie went? Yeah, but, like, if you're a rich asshole... Yeah. 
Anyway. You're not in the Ivy Leagues, motherfucker. I know. Where's that pretentious, like, brush off your shoulders bullshit? Well, the college school newspaper believed him and even published an article about his precociousness. Uh, (laughs) Which anchored his father once he found out about it because, obviously, none of it was true. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Dana also reportedly hung pictures of Michael Milken and Joe Hunt in his dorm room. And if you are like me and have no idea who these people are. Yeah, me neither. Mm. Yep. Yep, I had to Google. Michael Milken and Joe Hunt were both people who broke laws in the pursuit of wealth. So Michael Milken was influential in the development of junk bonds. Don't ask me what junk bonds are. And Joe Hunt organized the Billionaire's Boys Club, which ended up being a Ponzi scheme. Gross. And in 1987, a made-for-TV movie was made about Joe Hunt which is said to have inspired the Menendez brothers to murder their parents. Oh, oh Jesus. God. More rich assholes. So these are his idols then that he's hanging up in his right? dorm room? Is that oh, gross? God. Ew. Also, in 2018, a feature film, Billionaire's Boys Club, was released with Ansel Elgort as Joe Hunt. And I've literally never heard about this film. <laughs> Me neither. All right, to get back to this 2018 blockbuster, it opened to $126 on its opening night. $126? Never heard of such a low opening in my entire life. It's usually at least like a couple hundred thousand, right? Yeah, so I think this movie was pretty much buried due to the involvement of Kevin Spacey, who had been recently accused of sexual harassment and assault at that time. I didn't know that was going to bury an entire movie. I mean, like, that's like 10 people went to see it. (laughs) I know! (laughs) That, I mean, that was bonkers, so. I don't know what to tell you guys, but it exists. Yikes. And then if you want to know more about Joe Hunt, the Hollywood and Crime podcast covered it in summer 2019. I'm definitely not, because I don't want to talk about junk bonds. Yeah, hard pass on that. No. So, for Easter weekend, 1992, the UL's vacationed at their beach house. Oh, so they also have a beach house. Mm, They do. On Easter Sunday, Dana and Dale played a round of tennis, probably at a country club, and then the entire family took a walk on the beach. Lee and Tiffany then drove back to Fresno at the end of the weekend, but Dale decided to fly his private plane back to the hangar at the Fresno Air Terminal, whose airport code is FAT. (laughs) I loved it. That's cute. It's so funny. Aren't we all a little? (laughs) A little bit. Something. It happens. It's all the drinking. (laughs) So Dana, instead of going back to Fresno, drove up to the Bay Area to have dinner with his girlfriend, Monica, and her FBI agent father. Like legit FBI? Legit FBI. Ooh, fancy. I just wonder if, you know, the newspaper called him out for being this pompous asshole Like, what did this FBI agent think of him? I never found anything about what Monica's dad felt about Dana. Probably not a fan. I told you. A father's intuition. I told you this guy was an asshole. (laughs) And now, like, Monica has to listen to him from now on. That one time, remember, I told you. Bring that up for the rest of your life, FBI father. (laughs) So after that dinner, that evening, Dana called his family's home phone and got no answer. 
and he tried again on Monday, still got no answer. He professed to be worried and asked a neighbor to check on his family. Uh, the neighbor apparently had other things to do, so the bodies of Dale, Glee, and Tiffany were found on Tuesday by the housekeeper. Oh. All three? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Also, sorry, housekeeper. Yeah, that sucks to be their housekeeper. She sounded like she was actually pretty close to them, too. Like, Oh. She really liked Glee and Tiffany from what I could see, from, like, what I've read. Yeah, it sounded like they were just really good people. Yeah. It's going to be quite a shock. Law enforcement was called, and the scene was secured. Tiffany had been shot in the kitchen, once in the back of the head, with the bullet exiting her forehead. She is thought to have been killed first. Glee was found lying partially on her back in the office, and she had been shot four times, including right under the eye. Remember that. Oh. Uh, uh, with the bullet exiting out the back of her head. Oh. Uh, Rigor mortis had set Glee's face in such a way that it was postulated that she had a moment of recognition before she was murdered. I don't know if that's true, but I saw that a couple times. And Whoa. I know. Oof. Oof. Uh, Dale was killed last as he arrived home after Glee and Tiffany, and he had been shot in the back of the neck and was found in the hallway. The house also appeared to have been burglarized, but in that very suspicious way where most of the valuables are left behind. Okay. And there was also no sign of force entry, and the alarm had been disabled. So they knew the code. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so as the sole beneficiary, Dana was an obvious suspect, but he had a rock-solid alibi, supported by an FBI agent, no less. Jesus. Oh. In the 1970s, Dale had sold airplanes for a California man, later convicted for drug smuggling. And more recently, Dale and his brother were involved in a bad real estate deal, which could cost investors millions of dollars. So investigators went down both of these roads first. They were quickly ruled out as being related to the murder. And Dana continued to act super suspicious and unfeeling about the death of his entire family. At the reading of his parents' will, it was found to contain no burial instructions, which Dana was not concerned about, asking, quote, well, okay, but what about the money? End quote. Ew. Rude. That's what happens when you raise a fucking sociopath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The will also contained stipulations that did not give Dana full access to the seven to eight million dollars until he was thirty-five. Upon hearing this, Dana lunged out of the chair, <gasps> pounded on the table, and asked, "How could his father have done that to him?" Oh my <laughs> god. Uh, he also started living in his childhood home again even though minimal cleanup had been done and bullet holes, blood, and possible brain splatterings were still present. Gross. Yeah, they're not great. Mm-mm. Always... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nothing. I'm always curious about the texture of brain when it splatters like that, but I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's Pulp Fiction that, like, like, got to me a little bit. We know, Sarah. Remember that I know. Pig skull? I know. Okay. But that was cooked. <laughs> yeah, that's that true. That cooked brain. That's true. I've seen an uncooked brain. It looks pretty much the same as a cooked brain. Okay. Anyway, anything to add, Meredith? <laughs> have you seen a brain? <laughs> I have not seen a brain. <laughs> okay. So, during the Fresno PD's investigation, 
Joel Radovic's name was mentioned multiple times as being Dana's doormate at Santa Clara University. Uh, when investigators looked into Joel, they found that he had left school and had no job, but was taking helicopter flight lessons to the tune of $33,000, and a little forensic accounting showed that Dana was paying for these lessons. Hmm. What? Ooh. The police went to interview Joel, and his first question was, quote, Are you going to arrest me? End quote. Yes, Joel. Unfortunately, no. Not later, Joel. Just sit on it for a while. Uh, so Dana, despite sounding absolutely insufferable, was quite a ladies' man at college. And Joel, Dana's doormate, was described as the opposite. An extremely introverted man who lived in a fantasy world, playing video games, and not interacting with the opposite sex. Uh, one article even described Joel as having a, quote, rather weasel-like appearance, end quote. <laughs> uh, but do a Google image search, and you'll see that this is a bit unfair, and if anyone looked like a weasel, it was definitely Dana. Or just go to our website. The pictures will also be there. How about not calling people weasels, because weasels are too cute. You know, they're super cute, that little pointy face. Yeah. Being assigned to dorm room with Dana changed Joel's life as he was given access to parties and it was introduced to girls. Fair. For the next three years, police had surveillance on Dana and sometimes Joel as well. Joel regularly made calls to Dana from a payphone. And my favorite form of surveillance was just having some guy stand nearby and try not to look suspicious while trying to eavesdrop. <laughs> oh my god, I could do that! You could totally... We were talking about turning this into a job for you. Oh my god, I just... I just... Oh. I just had a bright idea. My my eavesdropping skills are so good. <laughs> Chef's kiss. We can add that as a service to the PI agency. Oh my god, yeah. Ah, we'll the future. We'll call it TCT. TCT. We all bring something. Sarah, you can photograph. Oh. All right. Yeah. You got the moon. You can get the... Cheating husband. I mean, that was a long exposure. I think I think in, like, broad daylight, fast exposures could be pretty easy. <laughs> you don't have to have that, that steady of a hand. Joel didn't really notice the eavesdropper, so I guess it worked fine. Ah, future job. I'm super excited, though. Professional eavesdropper. Uh, Dana continued living large, although his uncles, who were Dale's brothers, were currently pursuing legal action, which prevented Dana from receiving any of his of his inheritance until the legal action was settled. Okay. He paid for all of Joe's flying lessons, not, and even part of his girlfriend's law school tuition. So what? where, Yeah. So where was he getting this money if the trust was tied up in legal shenanigans? Was he pawning shit from the house? Nope. Worse. Uh, Dana also inherited the role of trustee of his grandmother's $380,000 estate. Oh. His grandmother was 90 years old with Alzheimer's, oh. who lived in a nursing home. Mm. His grandmother died of natural causes, which honestly is kind of a surprising twist. But at the time of her death, only $2,000 was left in her estate. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, that fucking monster. Right. Detectives turned their focus to the murder weapon and found that it was a high-end 9mm specialty rifle manufactured by Feather Industries in Trinidad, Colorado. I don't know anything about guns, so I'm making up for it by providing a lot of details. Apparently this is a unique enough gun that they were able to track down Jack Ponce, who had purchased one of these rifles and was also a school friend of Joel's. 
Uh, Jack broke fairly quickly and admitted that he had bought the gun for Joel, but insisted that he did not know that it was going to be used for murder. Sure. Well, he also admitted... He made the homemade silencer used on the gun, and had helped dispose of evidence after the crime. So he flipped kind of right away then? Right away. Okay. I mean, he had the least to gain from this, I think, but... Mm -hmm. And he was given immunity uh, in exchange for his testimony, but the jurors were very wary of him and considered his testimony unreliable and suspected that he was more involved in the murders than he admitted to be. And once while he was on the stand and describing the murders from Joel's point of view, Jack slipped up and said, I saw the eye. (gasps) And that goes back to Glee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he already had immunity, so what's she going to do? Nada. That's ink to paper, so. Yep. Yikes. Uh, Joel was arrested at Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably where I would end up being arrested, too. Taco Bell again! (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then Dana soon after. And investigators found Joel was fascinated with weapons and all had also sent some books to Jack. One about how to make your own silencer and one about how to be a hitman. Uh, okay. Apparently there's a book for every fucking thing you want. Uh, Joel confessed to the crime, saying that Dana wanted his inheritance and wanted it now. And Joel agreed to kill Dana's family in exchange for part of the inheritance. To prepare for the murder... Joel shaved his entire body. Segue to a, a high school Hannah story. My PE teacher also once told me that he had no hair on his body besides his eyebrows and his head hair. Why? Because he was gross. He's a pervert. Mm-hmm. Joel entered the Ewell home with the alarm system information he got from Dana, mm-hmm. laid out a plastic sheet, and waited for hours for the Ewells to come home. Then he did the deed... Wrapped up his plastic sheet, which would have probably all of his leftovers, and left under the cover of night. Dana was defended by a court-appointed attorney, my English teacher's husband, as he had spent all the money that he had been able to receive from his inheritance and his grandmother's estate. So he couldn't afford a fancy lawyer anymore. He just used it all up. I mean, my English teacher's husband was a very good lawyer as well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just, like, public defenders can be good, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is a hard case. His attorneys argue that Dana was innocent, and Joel and Jack had planned the murders for some reason. So, not my favorite defense. No, not great. Yeah, no. (laughs) Needs improvement. Yeah. (laughs) Joel had a separate trial, and his attorney put all of his efforts into sparing Joel the death penalty since he considered the evidence against his client to be overwhelming. So. Yeah. (laughs) Which, yes. There's a fucking, like, confession he gave to the police and stuff. Uh, Okay, and this is one of my very favorite things that I found while I was researching this. In an article, there's a photo of Joel at at the trial with the caption, quote, Joel Radovich had a history of doing odd things to his hair, end quote. Which really (laughs) came out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) He's the one who shaved himself, though, right? No, but in this picture, Joel had that, like, floppy 90s kind of bleached haircut. So it doesn't sound like that weird. Anyway, Hmm. Zayna and Joel were both found guilty on three counts of first-degree murder with the special circumstances of murder for financial gain. Uh, Lying in wait and multiple murders. I didn't know lying in wait was, like, a crime. 
I wonder if it's tied to premeditation. It somehow. must be tied. Yeah, to like I feel that. like it's a premeditation thing. Like you're planning on it, and like you're waiting there, as like. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's just some of those special circumstances. That's like what BTK wanted to do all the time. He God. wanted to wait inside their homes before they got there, kind that of thing. Fucking nerd. Are we gonna do BTK? I hate that guy. <laughs> but we can talk shit about him because he's a fucking nerd. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Wichita, Kansas, Kansas. Wait, does Kansas listen to us? I don't not, know. Not yet. Hi, Kansas. Whenever you get here, we're so sorry. Probably not now. <laughs> I mean, we already butchered some some uh, accents, so I think we'll be okay. Those are just in good fun, though. I don't yeah. even know what a Kansas accent is, so I won't even attempt. So, due to the special circumstances attached to the murder charge, both Dana and Joel were eligible for the death penalty. But at the sentencing hearing, they were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Dana and Joel were spared the death penalty by one vote and two votes, respectively. Wow. So. Huh. <laughs> Bummer. They're just taking more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dana apparently found Christianity in prison, and I literally cannot emphasize the sarcastic You know what this makes me think of? Is, air quotes. Uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> The Bluth family and how he found religion. In- oh my god, he started, oh yeah, and he started that series of tapes. Oh, what's his name? Yeah, but like. It was George, right? The father? George Bluth Sr., right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, whenever someone finds religion in prison, I'm just like, mm-hmm, okay, sweetheart. I was like, did you now? Um, <laughs> That's great. I was really trying to convey how sarcastically air-quoting I was saying found Christianity. We'll see. He's part of an online prison pen pal program, and I found his profile. Yay. <gasps> oh, I want to read him. One of his profile pictures shows him holding a cat, which I hate. Get that cat out of his arms. That poor cat. Yeah. Be held by this douchebag? Ugh. You're just, like, petting my kitty now. I'm sorry. I know. For kitten kind everywhere. Yes. Be pet by a nice person. You know, sometimes prisons will have programs with local humane societies and stuff to, like, help raise or foster animals instead of... Oh, yeah. I guess that would be the only reason why I could think of that he would have an animal. We go into this a little bit later. Let's look at uh, his profile, though. Yes, please. Quote, experience. That most brutal of teachers. But you learn. My God, do you learn. C.S. Lewis is how he opens his profile. Oh, cool. Okay. Greetings. If you can relate to the above, you are not alone. (laughs) Alrighty. Okay. Alrighty. A finance graduate from Santa Clara University, I was beginning my career in investment banking when some extraordinarily painful events turned my world upside down. Oh, wow. What were those? murdered your whole family, you fuckface. No, but that happened to him. He didn't cause that. <laughs> no, his world. Upside down. Rededicating my life to Christ three years later, God rebuilt me back in his love, joy, and peace. How grateful I am! Exclamation point. 
Sorry, Christian listeners. I just can't stomach it. Mm-mm. Especially this douche. To be free on the inside, despite being in prison, is the miracle of our faith. Not thinking I could be a pastor. Anyway, my prayer is that you and I daily surrender our lives to the Lord. Next paragraph is born and raised in Central California. I grew up around aviation and learned to fly airplanes and helicopters. Focused on business and investing, I also love to travel and play tennis, which takes on a very sinister note because the silencer was made of a tennis ball. <gasps> no. Oh. Really? A tennis ball? Yeah. Seems like kind of like thin layer of rubber that wouldn't do much. It was in that, it was probably that book Joel sent to Jack about how to make a silencer. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know how good they, I don't know how good they are. Back is Dana. <laughs> How about you? It's amazing and mysterious how God works in our lives, isn't it? To be greatly humble in this life can be a blessing in disguise. Humble. Okay. I I enjoy meeting new people and would like to hear all about you in your life. In the quote, walk by faith, not by sight. Dana. Pray your hands. So if anyone wants to write them, I can give you the link. Yeah, I'm good. Dear Dana, go fuck yourself. Yeah, you can write them like that, too, I think. <laughs> Dearest Dana, please rid the earth of your presence. Uh, yeah, so if you or our lovely listeners want to go down a super weird rabbit hole, go look up writeaprisoner.com or prisonpenpals.com. Oh, man. That was just a fun time. I am torn between the inmate who only wrote... Please write this inmate. That's sad. Okay. And the other one who had the balls to describe his desired woman in extreme detail, while still remaining extremely vague and cliche, which, dude, you are in prison. Did it say what for? I checked the criminal code, and you are in prison for spousal abuse. Oh, no. Fuck. (laughs) So he wants a girl with... Let me read you the first sentence of his thing is how he's describing his ideal woman. She knows what she wants and isn't afraid to go for it. She likes her man to be a man, but still be able to show his emotions. With his fists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus. Anyway, I did actually have an enjoyable time on these sites because it was kind of, it's kind of weird. They have like iPads now. You could email them. Some of them, and, like, they have these photos of them in, like, regular clothes, not, like, prison jump. I don't know. It was interesting. What's going on, California? What's going on in your prison system there? I like imagining prisons, like, stone fortresses, like Count of Monte Cristo in the movie, (laughs) where he's literally got, like, a tiny window, and that's pretty much it, and a meal sometimes, and, like, that's how it should be. Like Azkaban? (laughs) Yeah, like, you're there for punishment. You shouldn't get access to a fucking iPad. I know, that really surprised me. Why do you have the internet? You are closed off from the world. Yeah, give up the internet? Seems like an odd choice. Anyway. You probably have better Wi-Fi than I do at my house. That's also probably true. (laughs) Taxpayers dollars. Oh. Yeah, no. Just to wrap it up, Monica, who was Dana's girlfriend at the time, Completed law school and now has her own practice. Apparently, she was given some guff about Dana paying for part of her law school. But I kind of feel like Monica didn't 
know anything about it. What was she going to do? Do the quarter again? It was done and paid for. It's whatever. I hope Monica has found a better specimen of humanity to hang out with. For sure. And we don't know. Maybe she, like, took that amount of money and donated it to a charity or something. Like, you know, something positive or donates hours to pro bono cases or something that's beneficial to society. That's true. Yeah. I I got nothing bad to say about Monica, and I feel kind of bad for her because she got shit all over in the beginning, like, during the case. That's but not her fault. I know. Somehow, Jack Ponce was also able to become an attorney and is actively practicing law in California. <laughs> so even if you slip up on the stand... And use first person when describing a murder. Oh, but it's okay. He was learning. Yep. I guess he learned a lot from that. I wonder if he's a public defender. I doubt it. Jack, he's just an asshole. There's actually quite a lot of media on this case, which I was kind of surprised by because I didn't think it was, I didn't think it would be very well known. And, like, the acid lady story's way more unique. Mm-hmm. But whatever. This is just spoiled rich boy kills his parents, which is not, unfortunately, the first time this has happened. Yeah. But in doing this research, I found my absolutely favorite true crime show of all time now. It's called In Ice Cold Blood. It's hosted by Ice-T. <gasps> oh, my God. It's so oh good, you guys. It's so good. That's awesome. Uh, Season 2, episode 14, Deadly Greed, is the episode about Dana Ewell. If you've watched any Law and SVU, you'll like this. Go to to that. Go do it. Go do the thing. (laughs) It's, it's, I, oh god. Nothing but hard eyes. (laughs) Alright, so that wraps up the case. Any closing thoughts? Mm. (laughs) Dana's a dick. Dana's a dick, and I'm concerned about that cat. Yeah, I need to know more about that cat. It's that common, like, sociopathy thing, though, where, like, everything happens to you. Like, how exactly his parents' assets being tied up was, like, how could they do this to me instead of it being, like, nah, nah dude, you ruined it yourself. <laughs> how could you have <laughs> murdered them? Oh, no, nope, yeah. that's not you. No, no, you fucked up big here. Come on. Technically, you had one step removed, so you felt like you could wash your hands of it all, but, like, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Another douche coming out of Fresno. Now we have three. All right. Including myself. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about the, the episode to come. <laughs> Never mind. Shoot. Ooh, the episode to come is going to be a fucking rough one. All right. Looking forward to it. So, looking at the astrology, Dana Yule is an Aquarius sun. Dun, dun, dun. Ah. And although the symbol for Aquarius is the water bearer, Aquarius is actually an air sign, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Aquarian, yes. <laughs> it definitely is a water sign, but whatever. Uh, air signs are often good communicators can be very intelligent, and prefer to be in motion at all times. Good Aquarius is one of my very favorite types of people, as they are intellectual, but they're also extremely unique, and with eccentric viewpoints, and they have no desire to fit in with the status quo, so they will talk to you about all the weird shit you want to talk about. 
Love it. On the other hand, Aquarius, Aquarii can live in their heads and may not be comfortable with emotions. And that's also why you like them. Ayo. <laughs> They can come off as uncompromising and aloof, which many people describe Dana as being. Yeah. They can also be temperamental, which we saw when Dana erupted at the reading of the will, even though that made him look extremely suspicious. And all of his uncles were at the table, too. It's just oh. a temper tantrum from a spoiled child. Yes. Yeah, I know he's a brat. Mm-hmm. Dana seems to be rather unevolved Aquarius, as he embodies many of the negative traits lacking empathy, stubbornness, distant, detached, rebellious, and not really that many of the positive traits of an Aquarius, like originality, being logical, friendly, idealistic. Like, killing your family in order to receive your inheritance is extremely unoriginal, and Dana did it in such a way that removed the emotions from the equation, because he didn't have to do it. And he also really seemed to think it was the perfect crime. Because he had that air. He he thought very highly of himself. So, I'm going to say this is not a great example. Uh, if I was trying to convince people about astrology being cool. Do we know his moon? Uh, I can look up his birth chart in a second. Okay. What I really want to know is his rising sign. Oh, yeah. And, like, what he, like, portrayed to the world. But, unfortunately. How did you spell the last name? Ewell, E-W-E-L-L. So while the sun sign represents your core personality, the rising sign predicts how you actually interact in the world, especially first impressions, as it's the face you show to the world before letting people see, like, your core. Unfortunately, the rising sign changes every two hours, so you need to know your birth time in order to figure out what your rising sign is. And location. And location. Yeah. But look, you need a location for more more than just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time is extremely important for rising, rising sign. Yep. And the internet is amazing, but uh, I could not find birth times or a birth certificate for any of these people, so privacy. <laughs> Meredith's on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking on my one, my one site to see if I can find... I saw Meredith writing it down. It's fucking great. Let's see here. She's our P- Penelope right now, I, looking stuff. Oh up my in the god, background. she totally is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely cool with that. So that was U W E L L. Yeah, E W E L L. Oh, E W E L L. His moon is in Pisces. Oh no. <sighs> okay. Had a few of those. <laughs> yeah. He gets stuck in his ideals and doesn't see the. Like, the big picture and what really matters. He's always got that dream of, like, what could be, but he doesn't ever actually achieve it because he can't fucking step back long enough to look at it properly. Well, yeah, and he has this, like, dream idea of, like, who he is, too, with all those stories he told when he went to college about being a stockbroker and all that bullshit. Like, that's who he, he wanted to be. He just makes shit up. Well, now he's a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another way to not figure out who you actually are as a person. Yeah. Fuck! There go our Christian listeners. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Anywho, that's Dana Ewell and the limited astrology that I have for him. That was fascinating. I'm disappointed in his Pisces moon. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm partial, though. It's fine. I opened that up, and I was like, oh, it's Pisces. Uh-oh. Oh. No, it, it means things. I mean, my Pisces isn't my moon. It's my sun. It's your sun. It's moon different. To help ground me. Yeah. But, like, if your moon is something that helps you obtain stability and, like, what you need to feel comfortable, and his moon is, is Pisces, that means that his dreams are his stability. And when he loses track of those, that's when it all unravels for him. That's true. I see that a lot. If it makes you feel any better, his Mercury is in Capricorn. And so is mine. <laughs> money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but... <laughs> Anywho's, I found a Dana Ewell, but it's uh, it's a Kentucky marriage certificate for 1947. So I'm gonna say that's not not him. No, no. Fortunately, no. Probably a better person. Probably. Yeah, actually. Someday I will be able to afford all the fancy search <laughs> engines. <laughs> oh God, that's amazing! All right, wrapping that one up. Go to the website if you want to see Weasel Face Dana Ewell and Odd Hair Joe Radovich. And um, maybe we can post a real weasel next to it <gasps> so you can compare visually and be like, give them ratings. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, Instagram will have a rating. Ten out of ten would pet. Would, yeah. Oh my god! Zero out of ten would not befriend. Would not pet. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Would just not touch. Would not like, let no pet anything. <laughs> Because I really want that cat. What about your stoat, too? We could post your stoat. I could post my stoat, actually, yes. He's a better person. Anyway, upcoming astrological events. Oh, I do have the picture of him holding a cat that will also be on the website. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I do need to see that. I mean, does the cat look distressed? Uh, he's holding the cat kind of weird, like, hand under its butt. Oh. Which I don't think cats love, but the cat just kind of looks like, ugh. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> He'll let me down soon. I'm here. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from the cat's vibe. Should we go into astrology? Let's do it. Okay. All right. So this episode is airing on June 14th, which means that already Mars is in Leo for you listeners. Mars is in Leo from June 11th through July 29th this year. And so Mars is the planet of, well, Mars. Passion, anger, <laughs> war, assertion, separations, all of its placement in your birth chart tell you how you can pursue your goals and assert yourself, kind of that like attack, defend, like your strategy for where you are and moving forward. And then thinking about what your kind of strategies or plan of attack is going to be for your upcoming projects. It also kind of points out the ways that you might quote unquote weaponize your skills um, for your own well-being, like in competition and things like that. So Mars is in Leo, and what this means is that our Mars during this time, like regardless of where it is in your charts, will be will all be feeling this in different ways. But Mars is going to be a little bit more self-confident and proud, kind of those lionly lionly aspects. <laughs> sure. So we're mm -hmm. we're feeling a little bit more upbeat and spirited, and might have big goals and aspirations. We're going to be going after what we want in a more direct and self-assured manner. But keep in mind that until June 22nd, that Mercury retrograde is still in effect. So if you are feeling yourself being too direct and kind of going at things headstrong sort of plan of attack, make sure that you're not mowing over people that are in your way. But yeah, our passion for life is going to be pretty, pretty upbeat and pretty high right now. And then on another note... 
on Father's Day, so that's this coming Sunday, Sun enters Cancer. Woo! So just a little bit about Cancer. For those of you who are born during this time, your strengths are that you're tenacious, um, very imaginative, you're loyal, emotional, very sympathetic, and often intuitive and persuasive. And then some of your weaknesses might be because of your strong sensitivity that you can turn a little bit moody or pessimistic towards things. Y'all are moody. Yeah, a little moody. And then at the very worst, you can become manipulative and insecure. So be aware of those tendencies, cancers out there. And you can definitely the get an earth sign because you understand emotions and oh, an yeah. earth sign does not. So you yes. kind of manipulate them into feeling fucking weird. Don't do that, says a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I've got. So I do have one little extra astrology tidbit as I'm <gasps> attempting to participate Yay! a little bit Ooh, more. awesome! So on June 14th, when this episode airs, Saturn is in Aquarius square with Uranus and Taurus, and this is a frustrating and intense aspect that could bring sudden and unpleasant changes to survive you must be adaptable. Like a Gemini. Like a Gemini. Right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's like in the peak of, of Mercury retrograde, too. So that, yeah. Right? That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> beware. Roll with those punches. <laughs> yeah, beware. And that's all I had. It's going to be baby increments for me, but I'm trying. No, that's awesome. We're no, bringing back great. square, though. Square is not... A very harmonious position for planets to be in, so. It is yeah. not. Not like the trine. No, the trine's the fucking best. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're technically not. We work. <laughs> There's three of us, and we could arrange ourselves yeah. in a circle if we needed to. <laughs> we're a very flat, misshapen triangle. <laughs> God. <laughs> if we look at it on the actual chart, it's like. Oh, yeah. Hang on a second. <laughs> I was like. It's cute. It's fine. That's awesome. Okay, so if you have a passion for TCT as much as we have a passion for getting feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Remember, we need your murder mittens submissions so Hannah can Yay! make our murder mittens kitten page. And check out our website at www.truecrimetrine.com. All right. So I was going to do a Valley Girl accent for this one. Yes. <gasps> yeah. Right? Isn't that perfect? <sighs> we need not feel ashamed of flirting with the Zodiac. The Zodiac is well worth flirting with. Unless it's like the Zodiac Killer. Ugh, boom. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. 
Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.